so easy to be distracted, isn't it? Oh, if only, if only lights and sounds were the biggest distractions in my life, you know? There's so much else. There's so many other things. There's such bigger distractions. Things like power outages don't really, <laughs> don't really measure up, do they? So, perfectly candid with you, uh, it has been quite a while since I have struggled with what to bring in front of a group of people. Um, it has been quite a while since I have like been right up to the, to the very last moment where God said, this is what you're going to say. This is how it's going to be presented. This is what uh, you're going to bring to my people. And I'm like, I really could have used this a lot sooner. I really needed the word that I, because I was all over the board. I was really in about 10 different places and I could not settle on anything. And then God went to a very peculiar place and I did not understand it. Uh, at first, and now I kind of see what God was doing. Um, I, it's just, it's, it really is amazing. Not just the grace that saves us, but the grace that sustains us. It is amazing. The fact that we have an almighty God that even after he rescues our soul, he continues to hold us up. That when we fall, he picks us back up and dusts us back off again. And continues to set us on our way. The fact that we, we mess up so many times and yet he still loves us. That every single time that I feel like I'm empty and alone, I'm not because he's there. I mean, like it is incomprehensible why he would love me that much. His grace truly is amazing. And, and tonight um, I was actually reminded of, I didn't realize it, what I was supposed to say until just a few hours ago and I didn't realize, as I often do, I try to look too deeply, right? I try to find some crazy, deep meaning in something or try to bring you something you've never heard before, some obscure passage from Ecclesiastes or something crazy like that, right? So it's too often I'm trying to be like way up here, and God's like, no, no, talk to him. You know what I mean? Just talk to him. And that's the message that I needed to hear um, more than anything tonight, that message was for me. Talk to him. Just talk to him. And, uh, and tonight, I just want to talk to you. Um, Cassidy, she wrote a, a paper last night. She wrote an essay. And I, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to espouse your whole essay or anything like that. But uh, one of the themes of this essay was kind of the ripple effect that your life has on people. Like as parents... In particular, you know, you pass things down to your children and, you know, as, you're, as you live your life, it kind of has this effect on people around you and, you know, uh, whether that's your education, your job, uh, where you live, how you live, you, your relationship with Christ, it kind of has this ripple effect, right? So um, I was thinking about that, right? That was on my heart and on my mind. And, and you know, we've been talking about making an impact and we want to make an impact on other people's lives. And We've been talking about how you walk and, and the things you do and whether or not you have wisdom in your life and those kind of things. And, and you know, so often I think as Christians, um, you know, we're supposed to be outwardly focused in that we're supposed to be uh, focused on, we're supposed to be intentional about the gospel going out from our lives, right? 
Well, some of that requires us to focus on us for a little bit, right? Some of that has got to be the overflow of us focusing on us and getting our stuff straightened out and kind of getting our junk in order a little bit. And we can't just focus on everybody else all the time that we kind of have to, if we're going to make an impact and we're going to walk a certain way, we're going to do certain things for the, for the kingdom of God, then sometimes we have to turn that right back around on ourselves and look inwardly a little bit and start looking at our own house and clean up our own house before we start cleaning up everybody else's house. You know what I mean? And so this particular passage really focuses on us and what we should focus on. If we're looking for wisdom, if we want to really live lives that reflect wisdom, then people are going to look at our house and see how much wisdom is in our house, right? So we actually are going to be in Proverbs chapter 30 tonight, and we're going to be looking at a guy named Agar. And Agar doesn't have really anything special note or noteworthy about him except that he was wise, He wasn't a Christian, he wasn't an Israelite, he was just wise. So we have his word in God's word saying, this is something you need to know. And this guy takes some, some what we would consider to be crazy illustrations and applies them to being wise and how we should live our lives if we're going to truly have wisdom in our lives. And he he uses four examples. And we're going to talk about those tonight. The first one he uses... Uh, his, his analogies are very strange. Usually when, when we model, we model up, but this guy models down, and he, he models down to an ant is the first one he uses. There are four things on the earth that are small but unusually wise. Ants, they aren't strong, but they store up food all summer. So here, Agar is pointing to you something small. So, I mean, like, it doesn't get much smaller than an ant, really. When you think about living, crawling creatures on the earth, an ant is very small. He says they are unusually wise. And the ant, it is not strong, but they store food all summer. Now, they're not strong in comparison to human terms. They are strong in comparison to other ants, granted, right? So, so ants, in comparison to their body weight, they are very strong. But in comparison to what we can carry around, they're not likely to be able to pick up that stool and move it around. If they could, it would really freak us out, especially when we go to picnics. Am I right? Like, so you see, you've seen the cartoons where the whole picnic basket is, like, moving away, you know? Like, you would actually see that if they were as strong as us, but you don't see that, right? So they're carrying... They're carrying the picnic basket one grain of sugar at a time. That's how they're carrying it. So, but what is particularly wise about an ant is that it knows the season that it's in, right? It understands where it is right now. It understands the opportunity that exists right here and right now. Too often, we are, we are either doing one of two things. We're either looking behind us or we're looking too far in the future And we're not recognizing the season that we're in right now and the opportunity that's presented right here in this place. Now, let me tell you something. No matter who you are, where you are, what you're doing in your life, winter is coming. Okay? Winter's coming. Winter is a time when there's less produced. Uh, It's typically darker during the wintertime. And, and, and it's just a time where we feel, I mean, in general, people are more depressed in winter. I personally experience this a lot. I do not like the winter time. 
I don't like the cold, and I don't particularly like the dark. So both of those things are, you know, waging war against me in the wintertime. In the wintertime, there's less to eat for an ant, admittedly, right? Everything, if, especially if you're up north, it's covered in snow, less for an ant to eat. In our lives, we have seasons of winter. Seasons of winter where there's a downtime, there's a lull in, 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 the, in what's being produced. There's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an overwhelming sadness sometimes because of maybe something that's coming into our lives or maybe there's something that's happened in our lives that we weren't necessarily expecting. And, and, and all of a sudden, winter sets in and we find our place, ourselves in this place of almost being hungry or thirsty because there's less, Right? I'm, I'm not talking about a literal winter. I'm talking about a spiritual winter where you feel depleted. You feel drained. You didn't expect it. You didn't see it coming. Illness. The death of somebody that's close to you. You know, divorce. Some kind of financial situation that maybe is, is laid heavy upon you, man. It's like, wow, I didn't see this coming. But an ant understands that it needs to take advantage of what it has right now, the opportunity it has right now to store up for what is coming. To store up for what is coming. For us, what does this mean for us? Do you know where you need to store up for what is coming? Do you know where you need to feast? Do you know where you need to go to get your food? It's right here. It's right here. It's, it's in the Word of God. This is the food that you need. And this is what you need to be storing up. It really is. You know why you need to be storing this up? Because winter is coming. Winter's coming. You need to eat of this food. You need to, to let it sink heavy on you. It needs to, to be the meditation of your heart. It needs to be something that you have memorized so that you can go back to it in your mind. And, and when, when winter is here, you've got a place to run. You, you store it up for the winter. I think too many times we're looking in the past going, well, the winters I've experienced so far haven't been that bad. There was still an opportunity for me to find food in previous winters because those winters weren't so bad. And now a really hard winter comes. And you got no food stored. And you're wondering, man, how in the world did I see this coming? How in the world did I not store up food for this winter that was headed my way? The thing we can learn from an ant, though it is extremely small, it looks at the past, it sees that, that there are winners in the past, it sees that there are times of famine in the past, and it stores up for what is to come. It doesn't live too much in the past. It doesn't make judgments about how much to store up based on what it's seen in the past. It just stores up as much as it can for the winter, preparing for what is to come. Now, An ant uh, has limited resources mentally, right? When you think about uh, what we have as human beings, uh, we don't have a lot of mental resources. Compared to the mind of God, we, we are very simple, okay? And, and we just don't have a comprehension that even comes close to God, right? So therefore, if we're going to be uh, have the wisdom of God, wouldn't we need to store up the food that God has provided for us, the one that has infinite wisdom? Wouldn't we need to take that food and pour it into us? 
I mean, we're constantly looking and trying to figure stuff out, man. If we would store up the food that he's given us, I believe it would, it would feed us. And we would be better prepared for the winter. And the ant recognizes that. The next one it gives, a small animal. Most of you don't know what a hyrax is. But you probably know what a coney is, right? You're like, no, I have no idea what this is. So in your mind, picture a ferret, okay? Something like a ferret. Uh, maybe a cross between like a rabbit and a ferret. It's a rodent of sorts. It says they aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. So what is, what is he talking about here? So imagine these little, these little rodents living out in the desert somewhere, and they don't have a lot to protect themselves, right? They don't have a whole lot of ways to defend themselves. If an enemy comes up against them, they just don't really, they can't do anything, but they can run back into their homes. And their homes are heavily fortified. Their homes are in the rocks. For us, as mere human beings, with our, our minds, the only place that we can find solace, the only place that we can find protection is in the rocks. And I think the writers here would say, Look at how this applies to your God, to the place where you can find protection, to the place where you can run and hide when things are not good. Even, even something like this little rodent that's out in the, the, the desert is still looking for a place to hide when things get bad. Now for us, we tend to run everywhere else, right? When things get bad... Sometimes people like to pretend that things aren't really bad. They just kind of curl up in a ball. I'll stay out here in the desert, and maybe, just maybe, the enemy will go away. And maybe, just maybe, if I pretend like it's not there, it really won't be there, right? Maybe I'll just wake up from this dream, and it won't actually be real. That's their defense mechanism, It's just pretend. Some people do this. Some people live in a, a fantasy world, and they do this sometimes uh, through things like drugs or alcohol, right? I say, man, if I could just make it go away for a little while, pretend like it's not real for a little while, then maybe it just won't be real. Problem with that is that fantasy state that you live in right there, you come out of that. You know what? The real world's still right there. The enemy's still right there. The problems haven't changed. The world hasn't changed. The, the, the world hasn't stopped revolving, and all of a sudden everything's different. The reality is, it's just some more time has passed and the enemy's still right there. You haven't dealt with the issue at all. You've just ignored it. You've just ignored it. So where then must we go for our protection? Run back to God. Run back to God. I can tell you in my own life, as we were dealing with all kinds of stuff, and, and during the month of September, because it's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer and childhood cancer is heavily on my mind, and that's the reality, okay? And I, I tell people all the time, when you are faced with something like that, you've got a choice. You really do. You're either going to run to God or run away from God, right? And, and, and you, you can see which direction somebody has actually run by looking, uh, looking back and see where they ran during that time and where they are now if they actually ran to God or away from God. Some people run to God for a little while, and then once the situation has passed, then they just they run the other direction. So 
You have a choice in a very desperate situation, either run to God or away from God. And and the only way, the only way that you're going to find any kind of protection, any kind of solace in your heart and in your mind is to run to God, is to run into the rocks and hide there in his arms and, and under his protection. Do you know what the biggest thing I needed protection from when I was, uh, we were dealing with, with the, the cancer that Kenneth had? You know what the biggest thing I had to protect myself from? One of the things, was, well, there's two things, actually. One of them was the thoughts that were in my brain, the thoughts that I had, the things that I read online, all the negative stuff that everybody, by the way, everything that you read online is negative, by the way. The, the, the thoughts that I had in my mind, they were attacking me. And then on top of that, you had people saying stupid stuff to us at the same time. I mean, and I'm, I, I, don't, I don't say that lightly. They were saying stupid things to us, incredibly stupid things to us, talking about, you know, survival rates and all this kind of stuff and going, don't you know that this is what's going to happen? I'm like, that's my kid you're talking about. And you're talking about percentages, Where could you run? I certainly couldn't run anywhere but to God. God, you're the only place I can go. There's no other place that I can go. When you in your life are faced with winter, when you're faced with the attack of the enemies, hopefully you will have stored up and hopefully you will run to God. The coney and the ant show us that. The next one is the locust. Locust, they have no king, but they march in formation. A locust is not very intimidating on its own, is it? So if you think locust, think grasshopper, right? So you're like, what's a locust? Think grasshopper. Grasshoppers are not very intimidating. As a matter of fact, we put them on a hook and we feed them to fish, right? That's what we do, right? But when you have millions of them, When they are just overwhelming you to the point where you can't see, and in this particular environment, this would be something that they were very aware of. This is some 2,600 years ago. This would be something that that they were very aware of, and locusts would come in, man, and they would completely devastate crops, right? We know about Egypt and Moses and uh, the plague of locusts and all that, right? So they would just come into an area, because there are millions of them, they would absolutely devastate an entire crop, and people would be hungry as a result of the locusts coming, a swarm of locusts coming in, destroying everything. So what does this teach us? You can't do it alone. You need other Christians. You need other believers that walk alongside you and help you and are there to encourage you. You need that. It's something that you are going to need if you are a believer and you're a follower of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, he would send them out in pairs of two, right? Because he knew that they were going to need each other. He knew that we were going to need each other, and that's why we are here today is because we need each other. And so many times we're constantly doing stuff to separate ourselves from each other. To try, to try to individualize ourselves because I don't, I don't line up with this person and I don't, blah, blah, blah. And, and the, the church of Corinth did the same thing. I follow Paul. He's a better preacher than Apollos. You know, we do find all these ways to try to separate ourselves. And the reality is you need other believers. Yeah. Jesus knew that you needed other believers. 
We walk through this life together, holding hands, struggling together. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. We, we tend to look at things and go, well, that's their problem. No, it's our problem. As believers, we need each other because I promise you, if it was your problem, you would want all of us rallied around you going, yes, it is our problem. Man, when something strikes the church, and you know what the most devastating thing to me is? We'll have somebody that, um, man, they'll go in the hospital, and, and somebody maybe that's been, been coming here a while, and nobody will know. Nobody will know. And I'm not saying it's our fault necessarily. What I am saying is that, that and I know that sometimes people uh, tend to, isolate themselves and don't really try to make friends. They don't try to connect with the body of Christ. I understand that. But as us as believers are supposed to do our part in trying to reach out to them so that we know their name and we know when they're not here and we know if something's going on with them, you know, so that we can go and minister to them because we can hold their hand in the hospital and pray with them. I got to do this on Tuesday with a very good friend of mine who just had a heart attack on Monday. And I, I, I mean, he, and he texted me and said, man, I am just so thankful that you came and you prayed with me. I was a member of this church. This is somebody I worked with. And, and he, he's like my family. We need each other. We need other believers to come alongside us and pray with us and, and be there with us when we're hurting. If you're trying to isolate yourself, you're, you're doing the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing in the, in the body of believers. As the body of Christ, we're supposed to be bonding and uniting together. Instead, man, some people are trying to isolate themselves. That's the opposite of what Christ wants you to do. I hope you know that. It's like you're waging war against the church by isolating yourself. When I said that you've got to clean up your own house, part of it is you've got to look at yourself and say, man, am I doing something that's opposite of what God would have me to do? And that includes isolating yourself. It's not just unhealthy for you. It's not biblical. Even a, even a grasshopper gets it, you know? Even a grasshopper gets the fact that there is strength in numbers. And the last thing we see is a lizard, right? So we got ants, we got little rodents that live in the rocks, we got locusts, we got lizards. Lo uh, lizards, they are easy to catch, but they are found even in the king's palaces. So why is a lizard? Easy to catch, relatively speaking. I mean, you know, it's not like catching a buffalo. <laughs> Lizards are easy to catch because really they, they're kind of dumb, right? I mean, relatively speaking, they're pretty dumb. Um, it makes me think of myself, you know. I, I can run away when something tries to attack me. I can run away pretty fast, but I don't know which way to run, you know. I might run right back into the attacker and just be like, Oh, my bad, and bounce off of them and try to run a different way. You know, that, I mean, I actually run away like a lizard. So, I mean, I, I just get so uptight and, you know, I have the fight or flight thing, I've got the flight thing, okay? So I'm not built for the fight thing. I am built for the flight thing, okay? So that's me. But, but a lizard's not real smart, so when he runs, he just runs away, and he doesn't know which direction he's running. Well, they're easy to catch because of that, because they aren't very smart. And that's us, man. 
We just ain't very smart. We talked about that just a second ago, how God's word and God, uh, the things that he has shown us and taught us and finding solace in him and protection in him and his word feeding us and all those things. Some friends of mine, uh, we have this saying, God is so smart, you know? Friends of ours in the church, man, we've said that before many times. God is so smart. I know that sounds crazy because we all know that God is smart. He has infinite knowledge. But what's so funny is we forget that God is so smart, don't we? (laughs) We consider ourselves to be wise. Therefore, we don't seek the wisdom of God and we consider ourselves, man, I've already learned all I can learn. The, the thing that I was talking to a guy today who's actually an employee of mine, and this is what he said. He said, I don't ever want to be considered to be senior level. I said, huh? He said, I'd rather be considered to be junior level because I want people to look at me as not somebody that's got it all figured out, but somebody that's still learning. And, and this guy is like 20 years older than me, and he's telling me this, and he's saying, I want to be seen as junior level because I want people to look at me and say, man, that's not a guy that's got it all figured out, but that's a guy that is just like me and they're still learning. And I thought, man, that is a great picture of humility. I mean, I was impressed when he said that and he wasn't doing it to boast. He just said, that's, that's who I want to be. Sometimes we think we got it all figured out and man, really, in reality, we don't even know which way to run. I mean, we, we think that we, we've got all the answers and, and we're not going to God with our, our questions. He's like an afterthought about where we should go uh, with, the, with the questions that we have about our life, the direction that we should take. A lot of times we take our direction and ask God to get on board with that direction as opposed to going to him and say, okay, God, where should I live? Is it in Oxford, Alabama? Is it in Maine? Is it in Haiti? Is it in Russia? What car should I drive? What car should I buy? What, what house should I live in? We think that we've got all the answers, and we have none of the answers. We don't have them. It, it's, like, it's like an aunt looking up at me telling me, I've got it all figured out, Kenny. Why are you trying to teach me calculus? I've already got that figured out, you know? I would look at an ant and go, number one, why are you talking to me? I'd say, your brain's the size of like a pinhead. You know, you don't even, all you have is instincts, man. You don't even have the ability and the capacity to learn and think and all this kind of stuff. You're just basically running on instincts. And that's how we look up at God sometimes, right? God, I have got this figured out. Why are you trying to teach me stuff? If you would just get on board with my plan, and I'm like, hey, dude, you're building an anthill right here where it floods all the time. You shouldn't do that. And God's got that wisdom for us, and we're going, hey, man, we got it figured out. Just get on board with me building my anthill right here. And he's like, it's in a floodplain. Tried to tell you. It's okay. I mean, that's, that's what we look like. I mean, I'm just being straight up honest with you. And talking about how we interact with God, aren't I? I mean, that's the way we treat him. But here's the thing. Lizards aren't very smart. But man, 
a king's palace is sure is a nice place to live, isn't it? You know what the beauty of it is for us? We're as dumb as a lizard, but man, there's a king's palace for us. (laughs) Somehow, some way, by the grace of God, we find it into the king's palace. Am I right? We don't deserve a palace. We're not smart enough to build a palace, but we find ourselves in a palace. And that could only be the work of God. That could could only be the, the work of the king. Am I right? He built the palace. He understands the palace. And he even left a few cracks in there for us to sneak in. Am I right? Man, we think we, think we got it all figured out sometimes. And Man, I don't need to read the book of Proverbs. There's nothing in there that could apply to me. I've written so long ago. There's no wisdom in there for me. And here I am. I, we just read... We just read these four or five verses, and, and there's enough wisdom in there to last us a lifetime, isn't there? And I was talking about this today with, with this guy, and we were talking about the fact that it changes, you know? The more experiences we go through in life, the more we see. The writers of this book were human beings inspired by the Holy Spirit of God and penned these words. But the Holy Spirit of God put these words on these pages And no matter how deeply you study it, no matter how many years you study it, you only begin to scratch the surface of its depth. And every time you experience something different in your life, the living word, breathing and alive, changes and you see something you never saw before because the Holy Spirit of God is constantly using this word to change your life. And we have got this wisdom right here in our hands. We we just took five verses and just opened them up and looked at what they said. And those five verses are enough to last us a lifetime for us to find wisdom for our entire lives. And yet we think we got it all figured out. We think we got it all figured out. A couple questions for you tonight. Some of you are in wintertime right now. And you didn't store up. That's the reality. And you're here because you're looking for something to feed you. There's time, all right? Start storing up now. I think it's an old Chinese proverb. It says, when was the best, when's the best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. Yesterday. It's time for you to start today. Start storing up your food. Some of you have tried to find your comfort, your peace, your protection in something else that's not God. Those will dissolve. Those will fade away. If you find your comfort, your peace, your protection in God... He's a rock that cannot be moved. He's the home that, that you can always trust. It's not going to crumble. It's not going to fall. For some of you, you've isolated yourself. You haven't done your part in reaching out to the other, bodies of, uh, the other parts of the body like you should have, like God's called us to be locked arm in arm with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And you haven't learned what the locust already knew, and that is there is such strength in numbers. And we need each other. And then for some of us here, for some of us here, you may have heard for the first time ever that we are so undeserving and so uh, incapable of understanding the king and his palace. But yet you heard today that the king's palace is for you. That though you may be as simple-minded as a lizard, 
There's a king who has a palace, and it's for you. And he allows us to come in. He allows us to be part of that kingdom. Maybe you didn't know that. And maybe today is the first time you realize that, man, there is a kingdom, and it is for me, and it can only be found in Jesus Christ, my God who made a way for me, who left a crack for me, and that crack was Jesus Christ. He left an opening for me to get to him, and that was Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made on the cross. Today, today you can be part of that kingdom. Today you can be within the palace. You can be an heir to the throne. You've got to fall on your face before him and say, you know what, my faith and my trust is in you. Your ways are higher than my ways, as it says in Proverbs, and your way of making a way for me through Jesus Christ is the only way to get to you. You can acknowledge that before him today. Let me pray. Father, Lord, there are people here right now that are hurting. Maybe winter has come. Maybe they're in a desperate place. Maybe things haven't turned out the way that they thought that they would. God, I know. I know that your grace is sufficient. Your sustaining grace is enough to hold us up, God, and we can't stand on our own. God, you give us words. You gave us words tonight that are enough to last us a lifetime. So, Lord, maybe today somebody has been encouraged. God, there are there are just so many things that you open our eyes to, that you show us. There's so many things that, that you reveal to us. And God, we can, we can only see just a glimpse with our feeble minds, but that glimpse that you give us is enough for all of eternity. God, you give us eternity written in your word. God, you give us the protection in your word. If we would run into the rocks, if we would run into your place of protection, God, we could find comfort there. And we need each other, Father. Today we need each other. Maybe we haven't relied on each other like we need to. Or maybe we haven't been there for each other, God. I pray that today we realize how much we need each other. Pray that you are glorified, Lord, as we come together as a body of Christ. And we acknowledge that, God, you are the answers to our needs. But, God, as believers, we go arm in arm to the throne of grace. Lord, and then for some, for some, they have seen how simple-minded they are. And they have seen how amazing you are and how amazing your kingdom is and the fact that you have given us a palace. Lord, today, God, I pray that they would make their home there, that they would find their way through Jesus Christ, the door that you left open, God, for us. Lord, we are undeserving. God, you are so willing. So, Lord Jesus, speak to us now. God, I pray for the hurting. I ask you to comfort them. God, I pray for those that don't know you. I ask that you to awaken them. And God, for all of us, I pray that we are changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone stand?